0: Welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. What's going on, everybody? Steve here saying what's up before the episode. What are we doing? What are we watching? How are we keeping sane? Boy, have I been watching a lot. I watched the musical 1776, which is a musical based on the uh, writing and signing of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Jeepers Creepers 310 to Yuma. Uh, Three nights in a row, we did Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Hannibal. So we took care of all of those. Uh, Wife hadn't seen them, so we watched them. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Other than that, uh, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 1, beat it. Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 2, beat it Uh, in like three days. Like it was nothing because I played that game when it originally came out. And it's a complete remake. Uh, A couple songs missing. Uh, The only one I noticed is Holiday in Cambodia by the Sex Pistols. I want to say it's the Sex Pistols. I might be wrong. Either way, I've been playing a lot of Tony Hawk. It's a lot of fun. Uh, A lot of fun online play now where you can play with people online. Uh, Hit me up online, stevis54 on the PSN, if you want to play Tony Hawk with me. Uh, other than that, guys, we're going to jump into the episode. Stuart Pankin, uh, super happy, super happy. Uh the title episode is called Second Sight. Uh, it is a movie that is available for rent on Voodoo, much like uh, 1776. It's got John Liriquette and uh, Bronson Pien- Pinchoff. He played Balky in uh, Perfect Strangers Uh, not Stuart Pankin but Bronson what's his name Uh, Stuart's in that you're gonna know him uh, possibly from Fatal Attraction we talk about that a little bit Uh, but most people my age are gonna know him as Earl Sinclair from Disney's show Dinosaurs other than that guys we're gonna jump right into it I'm super happy to get this episode out 92 Oh, my God, 92. We are eight weeks away from episode 100. I can't believe we're almost there. This is incredible. Thank you for coming on this continuous journey with me week after week. As always, you guys are amazing. Hit me up on Twitter at TLPYW. Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, the last podcast you want. If you really want to email me, you can email me at want at com. Other than that, uh, if you're feeling a little uh, a little froggy, you feel like jumping, uh, jump on that comment page on uh, iTunes, five stars, rate and review, please and thank you, uh, much appreciated. And if you haven't already, uh, if you can't get enough of, of this amazing voice uh, and you want to hear me talk about even more movies, movies in full details, uh, go check out this other podcast I'm doing with my buddy Travis this week at the box office uh we got lots of uh, actual guests coming up uh and we're talking about some fun movies other than that guys i'm gonna get right into the episode uh thank you once again for coming on this continuous journey with me week after week uh i love you all you're amazing uh i'm gonna go because i'm gonna keep pausing and saying uh and i really don't like that guys you're amazing i love you tip the veal try the staff enjoy the episode
1: Let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby
0: to get ourselves a treat. Hey everybody, movie theaters are opening back up again, so we have a top 5 in the box office. Coming in at number 5 this week, we have the personal history of David Copperfield with $0. 0.3 million dollars. Coming in at number four, we have the Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run, also with $0.3 million. Coming in at number three, we have Bill and Ted Face the Music with $0.8 million. Coming in at number two, we have Unhinged with $1.8 million. And coming in at number one, with $3 million, Marvel's The New Mutants. Those are the top five films in the box office. I'm excited to see who's going to be in the top five next week. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. Steve here, and today I bring an actor that has 156 credits to acting on IMDb. I, he's been in so many TV shows, so many movies from my childhood that I love. Today I bring Stuart Pankin. Stuart, how are we doing? Ah, good, Steve. How are you? Doing well. It is pronounced Pankin, right? Pankin is correct. Perfect. Uh, welcome. Uh, so many, as I mentioned, uh, so many great things um, that you've been with. I, I was going through the list and in reality, it's funny how you can love someone uh, as an actor and then you don't even realize until years later that that, that person was in something that that you loved and appreciated. So I'm going to start right off the bat with the one that caught my eye that I didn't even realize it was you. And then I realized the role, I saw it was, I realized exactly who you were. And that's Nick Freno, licensed teacher. Nick Freno, you're going back a ways. I am. And and the first thing that comes to my mind is you with a cast on your hand going, I can finally get that handicap spot. (laughs) You remember a heck of a lot more than I do about that show. No, I loved. I loved that show. Uh, I was uh, the main actor uh, who had started on the Wayne's Brothers as White Mike, and then from that got his own show as That's Nick, right. That's uh, right, licensed teacher. Uh, so, so you don't remember uh, particularly a lot from that, or?
1: Yeah, I remember a lot. Um, um, I remember the audition. I remember <laughs> filming it. I remember we did about twenty so episodes. Uh, I remember. I remember when the first season was over, they said, okay, we're getting ready for the second season, and said, great. So so I didn't audition for any other pilots that season because I was going to do the second season, Nick Frino talked to the producers about plot lines and costumes and blah, 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 and then they decided to change the show. They revamped the show, and they made it the second season into a high school rather than, a, rather than a, a lower school. So they got rid of all the kids. They got rid of uh, all the teachers, including Portia de Rossi, who's probably one of the better known people. Sure. And they changed it to a high school. So uh, I don't want to get into details, but I sued them. <laughs> <laughs> and really? uh, because, yeah. because they, they sort of promised me that I was going to be, that second be the show and, and all the others of us were going to be the show. And uh, I won. So that was you know I didn't get to do the show but I got a few bucks.
0: That's funny and and in all reality I I don't remember a second season.
1: <laughs> there was a second season. There was a se- and I'm happy that you don't because <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really great. Uh uh the, the ca- Nick Freno, the character they uh Michellandy was uh <clears throat> and maybe uh I, I can't remember the the guy's name it was an African American actor comic was his friend he might have those two might have been you know brought over to the second season didn't last it wasn't great it didn't obviously didn't last a long time sure and then uh you know a few years later sadly mitch died much too young
0: yeah i remember reading i remember reading about that and was super bummed about it because i really i really enjoyed the roles that he had on both of those shows um but that's that's a show that that i enjoyed uh, and you were just you were such a good uh, you were just such a good bad guy on it because you were you know thank you, you 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 were just the asshole of the show. I play a lot of I play a lot of uh, uh,
1: what's the word um, uh, imperious characters you know the the hard bitten this the hard boiled that the hard ass this I, I play a lot of those uh, not on stage necessarily but you know sometimes in California you get into a niche and they cast you over and over and over the same thing. Sure. I, I, that's fine. I, I enjoyed doing it. I mean, I did it a lot.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, with that, though, we'll, we'll jump right into the first question for the show that I always love to start with. Uh, have you ever walked out of a movie in the movie theater?
1: Uh, no. Uh, uh, no. My wife walked out occasionally because, or maybe once, because the sound was so, you know, it was one of these shoot 'em up bang-bang, Terminator kind of things. But, I, you know, I, I, I can't judge a movie well, first of all, I don't go to a movie that I don't want to see. I mean, I'm not, I don't say, oh, let's, you know, let's pick this one and go in and see it and said, oh no. So I picked the movies that I want to see. And, and uh, I can't really make any kind of judgment artistic or anything on, on a movie that, that I don't see all the way through. I mean, I've had friends like a New York who walk out on plays. I can't do that. I mean, I just can't walk out on, on, on performances and productions. Uh, and, and, and then be expected to make a judgment or if somebody says to what do you think about it? I said, well, I don't know, little thing, you know, and I can't do that. So no, the answer, the, the long answer to a short question was, I don't remember ever walking out or, you know, going, this stinks and I'm walking out of it. And some of them do stink, but I don't walk out of it.
0: Sure, no, that's great. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's a question, uh, that's an answer that does come up on the show. Uh, and it's a respectful thing just to be able to uh, to sit there and and through the the whole process uh, and enjoy it. I will say there are several films that I have gone to uh, that I did walk out of. I did like what? Walk. Uh, Envy with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. Uh, Jack, Jack. So so the cast sounds stellar. It's Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Amy Poehler, and Christopher Walken. Envy. Okay. Jack Black and Amy Poehler create this device called Rise that you spray it on your dog poop and it makes the dog poop disappear. And they try and get Ben Stiller in on it at the get-go and Ben Stiller thinks it's a stupid idea. And then they become ridiculously rich. Actually, I think they
1: stole that idea from Molière. It was uh, it's a very familiar
0: plot. Okay.
1: Uh, no, that's a joke, Steve from <laughs> Katz.
0: No, it was a horrible, it was a horrible film though. i, I, it I sounds horrible. I worked at AMC and I looked at my roommate and I said, I think we'd have more fun at home playing video games. And the dude two rows in front of us turned around and said, I think you're right.
1: Well, you know, I, I've said a lot a, a, I'm not gonna say a lot, but any number of movies. Uh, I do comedy a lot and, uh, and I watch movies and I, and, I, and I watch jokes and moments and scenes happen that I wouldn't scrape off the bottom of my shoe. Maybe if I had to spray, I could get rid of it. And I hear people around me going nuts. Uh, and that—that's you know, if anything would drive me out of a theater, it would be an audience that would laugh at that kind of stuff or those kinds of of jokes. But uh, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, when you get to a movie that's uh, that talks
0: about making dog poop disappear, I I. I Sorry, sure. back. you. Um, and this is this is a fun little a little little segue for me talking about walking out of movies. I went to the theater all the time with my parents. In the entirety of the time I went with my parents, my mother walked out of two movies. One of which was within the first 10 minutes. And that movie was in 1990, in which you play Sheriff Parsons, and that's arachnophobia.
1: Oh, well, she walked out because you were scared of spiders.
0: 100%. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, I I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Uh, You know, and I forgive her for that. I don't mind if she saw Sheriff Lloyd Parsons and walked out and spit on my character. That'd be one thing. (laughs) But... No, a lot, some people cannot take that movie, cannot watch that
0: movie because of
1: spiders. But uh, And
0: it's funny, it's called arachnophobia. She walked in knowing it's about no. spiders. And it was within that first five minutes in the jungle scene with the spider. And she just looked at my dad and went, can you give me the keys? <laughs> <laughs> and because she had her little romance novels and she went out to the car and she she read her book.
1: Well, you know, Joy, my wife, does that occasionally if she... I, I don't know any specifics, but if she doesn't like a movie or if it sounds bad or if it's too violent,
0: she'll go, you know, in the lobby and read a book, you know, until the thing's over.
1: Yeah. I yep.
0: to, I've never done that. The other movie that she did that with was The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin. I don't know that movie. Oh, Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Macaulay Culkin plays the bad guy. He, he plays, it's called The Good Son and he acts so good in front of the parents, but he's a big troublemaker. Right, right, right. There's this, great, there's this great scene where Elijah Wood is hanging off of like a tree or a cliff and Macaulay Culkin's holding him and he looks at him, he goes, if I let you go, do you think you could fly? Mm-hmm. Like in all, in all seriousness, like it's a, it's a twisted film. And he takes a dummy and he throws it on a freeway overpass into traffic and causes this horrendous accident. And my mother leaned over and went, could you give me the keys? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: but that's a, that's a movie, first of all, I wouldn't go see because that kind of stuff is drives me nuts that, that, you know, evil, people causing pain and, and grief to other people uh, consciously. So I might, I probably wouldn't see it whether I'd walk out on it, I don't
0: know. Um, but with arachnophobia, uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a fun film, it's a great cast. Uh, do you happen to have a fun little story that you remember from the, the set? Oh, you know, I remember lots
1: of things about the set. My, my son was very young, and uh, we filmed it in some place called uh, uh, Cambria, up in northern, up north in California, and it was beautiful. So I remember that it was just a beautiful place to be. I remember getting along with everybody—Jeff uh, Daniels and and, and Brian McNamara, Jim Handy. And, uh, I didn't work a lot with with Harley Jane Kozak, but she was a swell person. Uh, I remember. Um, we use, New Ze- they use New Zealand spiders, which apparently are very expensive per spider, about like almost a thousand bucks a spider to get them there. And they had spider wranglers all over the set. And I think because they didn't want us to go someday when we're walking, like, ah, spider, boom, $1,000, you know, down there. They, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they had the whole cast come to the set once and the wranglers put the spiders on us and let the spiders walk all over So we would, so we wouldn't freak out when when and if never happened when and if a spider got loose or 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 was seen crawling around i remember i remember we were in the motel room and we were sitting in we had the room that was previously used by chris i don't remember his name he's a he's a director special effects guy and we're in the room and i look over under the curtain and i see legs you know I said, "Oh, i a big." I said, "Oh, Jesus! It's talking about spiders." It turns out, it's a rubber spider that Chris was working on as a mock-up for the movie. But I, for a few minutes there, I thought, you know, get the ray, baby, because I'm this spider's dead. But that's you know, and but you know, Roy Brocksmith, he was in the movie. Kathy Kinney was in the movie. We actually wrote a song. I wrote a song and we all performed it together, which they used in the preview of Arachnophobia, in the, in the trailers of Arachnophobia, uh, about uh, conaima and spiders and stuff, which I'm, I'll send it to you personally if you want to hear it. It's, it's a very sweet song, and I'm very happy about it. We had a great time doing that. So I remember that, the crew very generously gave some of the lunch hour up to, to let us shoot that song. But you know, Arachnophobia was uh, was sweat. I was actually supposed to die at the end, and I was very upset that I didn't. Yeah. But and there's a lot of reasons why they, they didn't want me to die at the end. And I'm glad because if they ever do a sequel, I would want to come
0: back. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. I'd love to see it because um, I don't remember if he dies, but I remember John Goodman being a big. Oh, kid. yeah. Does he die in that or does he live? He lives. They, oh, man. You and, you and Goodman back in Arachnophobia, too. Right. We actually did The Artist
1: together years later. Uh, he's a nice guy. I like him.
0: That's I awesome. see him in the supermarket occasionally. That's awesome. Um, when it comes to movies, there are so many great ones, but what's a movie that you love that you could just watch every day? That I did or just movies? Just, just movies in general, just a movie uh, that you love. I
1: could, well, that's very interesting. I could watch It's a Wonderful Life, you know, a bunch of times. I could watch Tremors once a year, the science fiction thing. Sure. Uh, there, there, I'm just thinking about it. There were other movies that I, I could watch. Charade, I could watch you know more more than once there's an awful lot of movies i mean uh that that i would be happy seeing once or twice a year uh but those those three to kill a mockingbird one of my one of my all-time favorite movies that's that i could watch a
0: lot that's great that's great um i i went to watch tremors the other day with my wife and it started and she went uh are you gonna watch tremors and i went i went yeah yeah she said
1: give me the keys
0: and she 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 did (laughs) she did because because apparently um her mother would overkill films when she was a child and would watch them multiple times in one day oh repeat she's done it with twister she's done it with tremors she's done it with the mummy she's done it with bridesmaids where she'll play She'll play the same movie repeat multiple times during oh, the day. That that would that, that that's not my my cup of tea. But uh, me neither. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, but you guys, you know, even the movies that you love and you'd watch over and over again, there's got to be some time between you know uh, between viewings so that you could just you know breathe a little bit and then watch it again. Absolutely, there's an awful lot of movies I watch. I watch a lot. Some some of the old movies too. Some of the you know i don't i don't know there's movies that i've seen years ago and then if it comes on television like i don't know the thin man or whatever some wonderful black and white or cagney movie you know i'll I'll stop and watch that i i sometimes you know if i'm if i'm channel surfing and i see a movie i'll stop my wife says stop it you've seen it i said i just gotta finish the movie
0: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's great um oh my goodness um so talking of movies that that um you got a lot of shoes behind you, Steve. That's the, that's um actually those are mostly scarves. Scarves. Cool. Yeah, that's that's my wife's uh, that's my wife's little setup. She also uh, has a beta tank, and I think part of the cleanups in that as well. <laughs> 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 um, when it comes to um, earlier films, I mentioned to a coworker uh, that I was interviewing you, and uh, she said, "Oh, he is in my favorite film ever. Let him know." Uh, and that is uh, Fatal Attraction, 1987.
1: Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a, a, a tops and taps for me, anyway. Fatal Attraction.
0: Great yeah. great movie. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's a movie that I know a lot of people don't like the, the saying, but I feel it's a movie that's definitely lasted the test of time. Oh, yeah. It, yes. it, it, it holds up. It's just as good uh, now as it was then. And it'll be good. It'll be just as good in another 20 years because no one can make a film as good and as well as that movie was done.
1: Well, yeah,
0: I, I, I'm, that's
1: very nice to say, I, uh, but Fatal Attraction, it has, it has held up over the years. And uh, we just actually years ago, I, I guess it's been out over 30, but 25 years on the 25th anniversary, we had a reunion, uh, not a reunion, but a, a documentary of the making of Fatal Attraction. And I, I, I it, participated and and I don't know if Michael participated, but Harley Jane, <laughs> Jane Anne Archer, and Ellen Foley, and the, little, the, kid, the girl who played the, the little kid that the daughter participated. So cool. You know, it keeps going on and on. It's the gift that keeps on giving, uh, which, you know, and and most of that, the credit lies at the feet of Adrian Lovett. He just had a great, great vision for that movie. I mean, I used to occasionally, uh, if I was in the scene or not even not missing, watching work and watching mold and shape the scene and the actors and, and, and it was, uh, yeah, he gets all the credit. And I'm extremely grateful because I was in New York, sorry, I was in Los Angeles doing uh, not necessarily the news and the casting call came through and I, I auditioned for Adrian and the producers apparently and I hope they certainly regret it now, said, why don't you get somebody from New York? We're shooting it in New York, why do you? And he said, God bless us. So, no, no, I want Stuart Pankin to do this role. I will be eternally grateful for, for that because it, one, of the, one of the high artistic uh, points in my life, it was just a, a wonderful experience and I owe him a lot.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. And it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing film. <clears throat> uh, when it comes to movies, Uh, What are some movies that you love that take you back to your childhood, to a more youthful time in your life?
1: Well, well, any movie that I've seen with my parents, my father, my, you know, my, anytime I think of those movies, it's a warm, I mean, I can think of a lot of them. Maybe you're, you're too young, but Teacher's Pet and The Buccaneer and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea got me, it got me to, to, be enthralled with uh, with underwater stuff, so I became a certified scuba diver because of that movie. But those types of movies, those movies, uh, those two, uh, there's probably a lot. Hans Christian Andersen, uh, my aunt took me to that Funny Face. I uh, went with my mother to see that and when we lived in Massachusetts. But those those are some of the movies that 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 take me back, <clears throat> and then I'll, I'll you know always be grateful for. Uh, What's the Woman's with the monkeys, uh, Planet of the Apes. My dad and I went to see that okay. I, auditioned. I actually tried to get into NYU for acting. They didn't want me, but Columbia wanted me. So that's okay. But after the <clears throat> after that difficult audition, we went to see Planet of the Apes. I'll never, you know, I'll always be, have a warm feeling for those movies. Sure, because absolutely. Because of my parents
0: and because of my youth. That's great. That's great um when it comes to youth as i mentioned at the top of the show there are a lot of things that you've done uh from my youth that i look back and I, I hold i hold with high regards that i can watch it today and i can laugh just as hard as i did when i was 7 years old and that would be 1989's second sight god bless you you know i, I, I... That's a movie that that I again
1: really loved. Loved doing it and hanging out with those guys, uh, Bronson and Laraket and and, and, uh, and Bess Armstrong. They're, it was a really fun experience. Uh, it, uh, we got to stay in Boston for about ten weeks, which was nice. Um, yeah, Second Sight was uh, was um, it was interesting. You don't remember the name, but Bernie Brilstein was uh, was a manager, my manager and he was, it became president of Lorimar, and he put me in that movie. And uh, it turned out to be, as the producer said, what a nice three shot, you know, there were three of us, because we spent a lot of time together. Uh, <clears throat> and the interesting thing, and the difficult thing was it was during the writer's strike, and the man who wrote it, wrote Dead Poets Society, you'll, you'll figure out the name later, you know, and it was a really good script. And then uh, I won't mention any names, but, but if the, the people in charge felt that it needed changes, so they changed it and it became less interesting and effective as the original script. And maybe that's one of the reasons, I mean, the endings changed all the time. I mean, they put in a cartoon, as I remember at the end of the front. I don't remember what happened, but uh, I think the movie, uh, would have probably been a bit more successful if they'd stuck with the original script. They didn't. And the movie, except for sensitive, intelligent, uh, creative people like yourself who remember it. I, I love doing it. I mean, I really love doing it.
0: Um, <clears throat> one thing, uh, it's, it's funny because I was, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm the creative intellectual type. So I, I will talk aloud with what's in my mind. And I'm going around this morning, just kind of talking, to, talking out loud about the interview. I look at my wife and I went, I'm so excited for Second Sight. And she went, she looked at me and I was like, goobers, peanuts, covered in chocolate, very small. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> I remember that scene. I remember that scene
1: very well. Cause those were the days when I could run. <laughs> <laughs> I ran to the store. Yeah, there, it was, it was, and we actually had a little rehearsal for that, which was nice. We got to know each other, which is, uh, you never really get. Yeah. Goobers and, uh, and it was all exciting I mean look a lot of people talk to me about showbiz and they say anything you know you walk out of movie or an actor you don't like it's it's all good you know it ain't laying concrete it ain't you know shoveling dirt showbiz is, is good it's all and everything I've done for the most part and my wife told me never say anything bad about anybody so I won't but for the most part it's all good you know everything you mentioned whatever you mentioned I mean, individually, I mean, there might be moments within the project that, you know, you come back screaming and yelling, but for the most part, everything is just, is fine. The people are usually great. The scripts are good enough, you know. The director's fine, the actors are fine. It's all, it's all good stuff. And, and when you think of, when I think about Second Sight, it's just you know you get a positive thing you just get a po- a wash you know if somebody said Hitler you'd get a different
0: <laughs> a different feeling but when you think about movies a second you know you get a good feeling about it yeah absolutely for the longest time when I was a kid I didn't know it was called Second Sight I called it Second Sight Detective Agency which <laughs> is that I got I thought that was the full title <laughs> of it yeah, yeah, um, yeah. no but that one that one will always stick with me whenever whenever I hear and I, I forget the artist, but it's the when, when you're on the freeway and Bronson is driving and yeah. he, he's, he's lip-syncing the song. I literally, mm-hmm. when I when I'm, hear that in the store when I was working, like that, that scene in that movie Thanks is God. the first thing I think of. Right. Um, yeah. But no, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, when it comes to, uh, and you can take this in a professional aspect, of people you've worked with, or just in general, but favorite director when it comes to movies? Wow.
1: Um, well, Frank Marshall is really up there for, uh, for arachnophobia. I mean, uh, and we told him. I mean, my, when we went to the screening, my wife said, you know, he, my husband has praised you, you know, you're, he was gentle, never lost his temper, knew exactly what he wanted uh and that's what you you know as a, as a good director i was always told you don't have to be right but you just have to do something every decision doesn't have to be right but you have to make a decision you know and frank did that and he was right most of the time so he's he's really up there favorite director well that's adrian adrian line okay. it was great i mean he uh, you know he the thing that i admired about him and i'm not just saying it's caused me during the the, the the dinner scene in fatal attraction if you remember we were all getting. Drinking champagne and getting drunk. I mean, it was real champagne. So uh, Ann Archer was getting a little buzz on, and and he let us improvise. He let me improvise mo- a lot, and and let let it be in the movie. And and you know, sometimes in, on when you do movies or television, doesn't matter how good you are. Cut to the star. Always cut to the star. You know. Could, but he's kept the camera on me. He let me do my my thing, which is one of the reasons he hired me. He wanted somebody that had a comic sensibility, so that it would be you know, so that people could be allowed to laugh. I've heard that phrase, you know, regarding to me, you know, I'm catching because I want people to be allowed to laugh. I mean, that's Frank Marshall, God bless him, put me in Congo for a little scene in Congo. So there would be a comedy moment with, uh, with uh, Robert Temeckis's wife, wonderful lady, but I don't remember her name. So that it could be, you know, people would be allowed to laugh. And, and I, I've always appreciated because that's one of my favorite scenes in the world is that failed attraction dinner scene
0: because, we were just having a good time, getting a little drunk and having a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned Congo. You play Boyd. Uh, was yeah. it opposite? I want to say it was Laura Linney.
1: Well, Laura Linney was in it. I I, okay. I played opposite nobody. I, I was with, uh, you got to look up Robert Zemeckis' wife. She's a wonderful actress. And at my age, names go out. They leave. They, they're never in the in the trash heap of memory. But uh, yeah, it was just a small scene, like I said, to, to get some sort of comic and we were both kind of trying to be funny and to let the audience know, you know, it's not all serious. it's not all monkeys and blood. It's you, you can laugh if somebody says something funny. And I thought that was very clever of Frank to, to do that. I mean, it, it, you know, he thinks, he's a smart guy.
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, that was another one, Congo. I mean, a lot of movies uh, with my parents, we went to the movies once a week, if not, if not more, in reality. Um, uh, so yeah my father and i we went and we went and caught congo i remember that one um a bunch a bunch of great ones um uh in both 1991 you did uh two movies uh one that that some people would regard as the director's lesser quality films but i actually love it a little bit more uh, and that's mel Brooks' life stinks
1: good for you yeah somebody just said the other day that's an underrated movie uh, it Truly. was, I, I, you know, I, I can't be objective about it because, well, I was in it. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was it was funny. Mel, he was the actor, he was the star, the producer, the director, the writer. I mean, he had Everything. so much on his plate, uh, and that's not to excuse the, the fact that there, there might have been, you know, missteps in the movie. And it was also one of the hottest spells in Los Angeles, and we were filming. In hot buildings and hot outside, so there was a lot of things to contend with. Whether that affected the movie, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was swell. I again, I mean, uh, Mr. Brooks, because of that, put me in another another film that he did called The Vagrant, which I really enjoyed doing. Uh, so I'm very grateful to, to, to him, and I think it's a good movie. I think it was, I think it was funny. Jeff Tambor, you know, we became
0: friends because of that movie. I
1: mean, that, that, that's what Showbiz is. It, it was good, and I'm glad you liked it.
0: And yeah, it's, it's funny, uh, and it's, it's great scenes. And it's, it's, he's a comedic genius, I think, regardless of what he does. And it, it shows even in a movie like that. Like I said, a lot of people say it's lesser. They'd, they'd hold it lower on their, their list of films that he's done. And I, I I definitely hold it higher. And it's probably just because I saw it, once again, I saw it at a younger age. I was born in 82, so 91. I would have been you know, nine, eight, nine years old. Um, and there's nope. a lot of good comedic sticks with it, and, and it sticks. Uh, another one that you did in 91 is uh, Mannequin, On the Move. You're picking these movies that nobody remembers. <laughs> I would, I'm, I'm going to say people, some people remember these movies. I,
1: well, I, Mannequin was, the, as you know, this was a sequel to, to, Mannequin, uh, to Mannequin. Yes. Uh, which was a pretty successful movie. This was not as successful. But, um, well, I, I, I have a fond memory because we filmed it in Philadelphia, which is where I was born and raised. There you go. So I got to see my mother. Uh, and again, uh, like I said, it's all good. Billy Ragsdale and, and Christy Swanson, all, all these people. Uh, Mishak Taylor was uh, the late Mishak Taylor. Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. And uh, again, that uh, that movie, the director, Stuart, look it up, man. I, I, I'm gone. Raffle, maybe Stuart Raffle. I think that's his name. He again allowed us to 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 play with it and to and to improvise and I remember writing uh had a scene and I rewrote it with the actress who was in it and uh and I always enjoy that I always enjoy it I'm not always right, but i'm I'm usually right I mean I'm pretty good at this rewrite stuff um so yeah it, again, good experience, nice people uh, Yes, water.
0: Stuart raffle, you were correct
1: yeah. Nice guy. He went on to
0: work, never used
1: me again, the bastard. But that's okay.
0: That's okay. And I enjoy, I I thought it was fun. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's its own film in its own right. And the only connection it has is literally one line where Hollywood just goes, Oh, I've dealt with this before. Why am I dealing with it again? Like that is the only connecting, the only (laughs) connecting to mannequin to mannequin to is Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Again, another hard ass, uh, you know, Character. Character. Thank you me. you were the G W Bailey of that film. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it comes to uh, actors and actresses, uh, I love I love the answer that you had given me previously. Uh, but favorite actor actresses uh, who 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 are some of your favorites?
1: Well, the the fact is, most of my favorite actor and actresses are were people I've worked with on stage. Sure. I mean, My wife and I were part of a theater company in Pennsylvania for years and years and years, so those people became you know dear dear friends and and we worked together many, many plays played many, many characters but that 's not of any interest to anybody but me so <laughs> as far as uh, as far as actors all the, all the people, who are not necessarily the news uh, were were my favorite people still are we still keep in touch with each other. On film, I thought Michael Douglas and Philip was really nice to, to me as a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of a newbie, somebody that, that you know didn't have the, the, the credits, the certain thing that he did. Um, I'm trying to sneak my mind around. We did a movie called The Dirt Bike Kid with Danny Green and Annie Bloom, who are not necessarily the news. They, they, of course, are dear friends. Danny sadly passed away recently. But uh, that was fun. Favorite actors? I did a movie with, again, names are going to George Weiner and uh, David Graff and Ted Lange. Nobody will ever see this movie. It was done on video. It was done in, the, uh, in, in, a, in a warehouse someplace. It was the most fun I've ever had on, on, on set. It's called One Dozen. It's about a jury. Uh, you talk about favorite actor. That was, that was one of my favorite experiences on stage, uh, on, uh, in, in film. What other movies have I done to think about actors that just stick out?
0: You said David Graf. Would that be David Graff from Police Academy? David Graff? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, David, we did that movie together. He was also in uh, Love at Stake, which uh, which we did in, in Canada. He had a part he had a nice part in that. He was a nice guy. He died
0: much too young. Absolutely. I, once again I remember reading about that one as well. Um yeah. When it comes to uh, working with multiple actors, uh, you have been able to work with Rick Moranis not once but twice uh, in both Big Bully and Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Yeah, let's
1: put Rick up there too because that was, that was great in both those movies, especially Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves because we you know, spent all day, every day together. He, he was great, he was great. We had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. Name a few of my movies. I'll tell you the actors that I like. <laughs> I
0: but, but but when it comes to "Honey, I Shrunk Ourselves," uh, "Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves," uh, what was it like uh, for that? What was it? Was that like a, a green screen set? Was that more of the traditional where they built the ultra high set?
1: No, it was mostly green screen with a bunch of uh, uh, oversized pieces. You know, okay. not a lot. Mostly, it was special effects. It was CGI. A lot of green screen. Uh, we we filmed it in the old Howard Hughes Studios down in Culver City, which was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I had something else to say about it, but I don't remember. We had, I just
0: remember having a lot of laughs with those people. Of course. Um, and Rick was Rick. Rick was was was, was cool. He was great. Yeah, that's great. I remember uh, going down to. Uh, so I'm I'm from California, been California based my whole life. I remember going to Disney World where they actually had a full uh, Honey, We Shrunk the Kids land where you walked in and it was it was a full building of oversized blades of grass and and all of that um one of the other things they had uh that i remember that that i remember being so ecstatic i went with my aunt i had to have my my aunt take a photo with me right away and that was the baby from dinosaurs they had just a model of the baby really at disney world at Disney World. Wow. And I, I just, it's, yeah, I, if I could find the photo, it's me with like the biggest smile on my face. And it's just like semi, you know, on shot, like half framed on uh, right. of me with the baby. And, and you did uh, from 91 to 94, uh, you played Earl on the dinosaurs, which is something from my childhood that I love. Um, yeah, me, me too. When it came to that, um, how, how did it come about getting the role of Earl?
1: Uh, well it's a long boring story but since you're since you asked I met the producer Michael Jacobs uh, as an auditioning for the thing that got me out here San Pedro Beach Bumps Michael was at the audition he remembered me for the audition and he put me in a, in a series that he did called No Soap Radio which is a very short-lived television series but very interesting very improvisational very cutting edge blah 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 uh and uh So I got to know Michael. We became friends together. And because of that, he brought me into audition for Dinosaurs. Now, I'm real proud of Dinosaurs because everybody in Los Angeles auditioned for that role. Everybody. I mean, thousands of people because it's a great job. I mean, voiceover job is great. And I got it. That's how that happened with, with, uh, you know, my my, uh, association with Michael Jacobs. You know who he is. He did Girl Meets Boy, Girl Meets World, My Two Dads. Really nice guy, professional, and not a bad golfer. Uh, so because of that, I, I, I auditioned and got, and got Dinosaurs.
0: That's awesome. Um, was it because of that relationship that you got your role in 2015's Girl Meets World?
1: Yeah. Well, I had auditioned for it, but I'm sure Michael put a good word. I, I, I remember auditioning for that, uh, but that was Michael. Michael wrote me, and, and I'm sure he was a champion. He, he championed my cause. Sure, so I'm grateful and
0: to that. And that was a fun role to see you in. I was a big fan of Boy Meets World, uh, and another hard ass. Me, me, me as as a, a thirty. I would what 2015, so five years ago. So me as a 33 year old, uh, 32, 33 year old sitting there watching a show meant for like teenage girls, and right. I'm just loving it because they bring they bring back all of the stuff from the show that I had that I loved. Uh, but you had a great role as the principal. It was um, great. Yeah, uh, when it comes to movies. Uh, do you have a favorite genre that you like to watch or that you like to lean towards more than others? Well,
1: I, I, I tend to stay away from comedy because I, I, I have a really high bar for, for comedy. And if it's not really good, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying for me, you know, it can't be, you know, you <laughs> can't be that kind of comedy. That, sure, that, I, don't, I, that I don't want. I like good science fiction, it's hard to find. Uh, my wife and I watch a lot of uh, British procedural things like on BritBox and, uh, and Acorn TV on television, on Prime Video, like, love those. Um, not that I'm an Anglophile, but I do, I do like that. But yeah, science fiction, uh, uh, pr- procedurals, that kind of stuff. Uh, any kind of good drama is, you know, anything that engages you is, 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 is up there. Uh, but, but basically, recently, the, the, the television stuff, of course, the pandemic sort of keeps you in. You don't go to movies, so you, you know, but I don't seek out uh, comedies on these, on Netflix or, or, or Hulu or any of that stuff. I usually seek out uh, drama and, uh, and sci-fi that's uh if you have and i do work out on it, incidentally if i'm watching a, a, a sci-fi thing that's because netflix from you know i mean they, they they suck up uh content they need content and because of that a lot of it's crap yes uh, now <laughs> those of you who are who work for network netflix Not all of it's crap, and I could make it better, but you know, but you, but that I will turn off. If I turn, if I, if I sample a show, on Netflix, doesn't matter what it is, and I don't like it, that I will turn off. That that I won't pursue. I pursued much too much garbage in my life. I'm trying to get away from it.
0: Absolutely. If you had to pick your your top your top couple favorite sci-fi films, what would what would be up there? Well,
1: talking about childhood,
0: uh, it came from out
1: of space. Scared the crap out of me when I was, you know, tarantula. I went screaming from the room when, when, when I saw that movie, literally. Sure. Uh, you're talking about sci-fi. Uh, you know, but all, modern ones too, and uh, Close Encounters and uh, uh, The Thing, the original Thing, and, uh, and uh, I mean, y- y- name a few, I'll tell you, because I, I like them, usually like them all.
0: Sure, you know? sure, um, ah, I Ooh. mean, man, you, now you're putting me on the spot. Well,
1: um, it's, it's hard. I mean, when you say sci, it's a favorite five size, those are the ones. I mean, the,
0: sure. those, are, those are the top of the of the apes. I'm sure, absolutely. How about, how about Star Trek? Are you a big Star Trek fan? I mean, I enjoy Star
1: Trek very much. I enjoy Star Wars very much.
0: Okay. You know, I, um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Forbidden Planet, fabulous 50s uh, cartoon
0: movie. Of course. Uh, I, I love... Um, uh, I've been t- trying to talk my wife into getting BritBox. Uh, I only want to get BritBox uh, for one show, though. <laughs> Red Dwarf.
1: I don't know what that is.
0: Oh, that is a comedic sci-fi TV show from England. Uh, it is. It is. It was uh, made in the eighties. lasted seven seasons and then came back in the mid-thousands with a mini-series, and they've just done like three more seasons and a mini-special in England. Um, it's, it's the premise of the show is a man <coughs> that is put into cryostasis, and a radiation leak kills everyone on the ship. He's he kept in cryostasis until it's safe to come out, which is like a, a million years later. And all he has is the ship's computer, a hologram of his former roommate who he cannot stand and a creature that evolved from his pet cat, who they call uh, Cat.
1: I'm gonna watch it, but if I don't like it, I'm getting, I'm coming to your house. I,
0: you can't, you can't, you're more than welcome to. No, I, Red Dwarf. I, I, okay. I, I think on, it's on, on Brit, Brit Box. It Brit. should be on Brit Box. Right, I'm I, gonna, and not true. The other reason I'd get Brit Box is Are You Being Served? Are You Being Served? I heard of that and haven't watched it. That's another, that's, that's a, that's a one, that's, that's, that's a childhood one that my parents watched. And since they were watching it, I watched it. Uh, And I have, I, it's about, it's about uh, two women and four men that work on a sales floor department in a, in a department store in England. They sell, they sell clothes. They sell men's clothes and women's clothes. All right. It's pretty funny.
1: Uh, But speaking of of childhood things, like in the, in science fiction when I was younger, Twilight Zone was, was appointment
0: television for our family. I mean, that's talk about great science fiction. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there, there are so many great, uh, Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone is something that lasts in the mere fact that you get so many shows that reference Twilight Zone that will do little, little mockumentaries, Family Guy, Simpsons, South Park. They've all, they've all- mimicked. Remember, we're breaking up. Uh-oh. Are we there? Hold on folks. Wait a minute.
1: We're we unstable,
0: back? Steve. It's okay. Yeah, we're back. It's all right. Are we back? We're, I'm back. I'm back. Can you okay. hear me? I'm I'm Are we okay? I'm, I'm okay. It's a little I'm okay. Okay. Are you being served? <laughs> Are you being served? Um Twilight Zone. Um do you happen to remember the first movie to give you nightmares?
1: Well, no, but like I said, it came from out of
0: space. Made um, you run out of the room.
1: Well, no, Translator made me run out of the room. It came from out of space, scared the hell out of me. That's a great movie, it came from out of space. If, you, if you're not familiar, if anybody's not familiar with it, it's, it's, it's great, but that, m- movies, I, I don't remember movies giving me nightmares. Uh, okay. Life gives me nightmares. Uh, but movies, mm, no, I'm sure they filter into the dreams occasionally. But there was nothing that I, you know, that even as a kid, I run into my, well, I ran into my parents' rooms a lot because I had nightmares. But I don't remember if, they, if movies had
0: anything to do with it. Okay. All right. Then that's, that's. An undigested
1: bit of beef, a piece of cheese. Uh,
0: so uh, one thing that I remember doing uh, when I went to the theaters one time with my parents, and I wish I could remember the movie that we went to see. All I remember is saying that I had to go to the bathroom, and then I left the theater, and I went and snuck into a separate film for a couple minutes to try and see Demi Moore naked, and that's 1996's uh, Striptease. You are a clever young man. Yeah,
1: Demi Moore naked. She... She she was buff in that movie. That's that's what I remember. She she had a, I remember she had a whole trailer of just workout equipment. They're on that on the set so that wow. she would stay, stay tough. Yeah, that again, it's another terrific uh, movie experience. I had just finished doing "Honey We Shrunk Ourselves," uh, <clears throat> uh, which incidentally was the first made-for-video movie made made for dvd i mean it was made specifically to be on a dvd for that but i remember f- f- wrapping that getting on a night flight going to florida and starting my work on on uh, <coughs> on
0: striptease <coughs> excuse me uh again great great experience sure and it's a great it's a great cast Emmy moore burt reynolds ving rames yeah just just to name a few uh including yourself uh and yeah, for me, it was, uh, I remember, and, and the thing is, is, is I never got the payoff. I snuck, out, I snuck out of the theater twice to sneak into that movie. And both times that I went to sneak in, it was just plain old boring scenes. I never, I never got the payoff of scenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell
1: you something you're probably envying me. During that movie, the producers took us to strip clubs. So we could get, it's the, it's the only time I've ever been to strip clubs so we can get the feeling of it. And then we talk to the women, to the girls. Well, very interesting when usually they were studying for some sort of degree, paying off their, you know, student loans or something. They were very nice women, really pretty. Um, But uh, I had something else to say, but that's enough. Going to strip clubs. for. Yeah. I didn't really have scenes with with, uh, Demi Moore. I mean, I met her at the reading, but that's about it for me and her. Another great guy in that movie who I, I haven't stayed in touch with, but I've just kept watch his career over the years is Robert Patrick, who played her abusive husband. Yeah, that's a career that's any actor would be envious. Of. He's a terrific actor. I just I just watched him the other day in Terminator Two. Terminator Two, yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, again, they're all, all terrific actors. There was who was the lawyer? I mean, the the the, the guy. who was. He was her champion in the movie. I can't remember his name. Uh, mm, hold on a second. Look, on the, look at the cast list. Yep, doing it He's right a now. very interesting man. I'll tell you why. Oh, God, don't get old, Steve, because it's a pain
0: in the ass. No, I'm still here. Hold on. I know. What the fuck? It just... His name... Hey, hey. There it is. Okay. I had it and then I started typing striptease and striptease and I, I went to click it and it changed to Stripes.
1: No, Stripes, I was not in Stripes.
0: Armando Sante? Robert Armando Patrick? Sante.
1: Armando okay. Sante. Very interesting guy. He actually, we actually talked a little bit about being in another project together. Uh, but he was a terrific, interesting guy. I died in the movie and I was on a slab at the morgue. This was a real morgue in, in, in Miami and we got, they sort of blocked off the back where work was being done, but eventually during the day all of us got went back there and we saw some amazing things. A lot of dead bodies, a lot of police, you know, putting sticks in bullet holes to see the angle. And I I I died and was thrown in the thing and I had crab the crab had eaten me. And I said to the to the morgue guy, uh, how how's this make? How's that look? And he goes, (laughs) took me into the freezer. And he showed me a guy uh, that was uh, was in the rib, in the in the ocean, river, river, where, and and the crabs had gotten to him. It. it was quite different than my makeup, but that was that was fascinating. And Armand also, this means nothing except an actor. He would prepare himself, which is why I love that I'm lying on the slab dead, and he would prepare himself. And this is what he'd do before the cameras roll. Forgive the sound. Gotta get the information. Gotta get the food. who did it? Who killed this man? Who killed this man? actually. Do you have any information on uh, who killed this man? I mean, that's the way it <laughs> is. His preparation for for doing it was, I'm sitting there, I'm laying there saying, wow, I've never seen this before. This is intense. So that's a, that's a memory, a strong memory I had about that.
0: That's awesome. Um, you mentioned voiceover work and how great it is. Yeah. Uh did you personally come up with the name Sultan Pasta Al Dente, or was that a pre-written name?
1: I, I what for like a and all that stuff? Yeah, <laughs> no, that, I didn't come up with that. You know, when you when you go and your do cartoon voiceovers, it's there. It's all over. Okay. You just create the character, and they put the names down.
0: That's so. su- it's super. It's super funny for a name like that. You know, Pasta Al Dente. Like a kid's uh, not gonna get it, but the adults are like, "What? What is this? What is this?" Yeah. That's yeah, hilarious. Also,
1: that's a great job for an actor, especially when you get older. You, you know, you go in your underwear, you, you do the job, you, <laughs> you come home, have a cup
0: of coffee. There you go. Uh, when it comes to movies, uh, whether, whether they're, they're so bad or so impactful, what's a movie that you think that you can watch once and you never have to watch it again?
1: That's a good question.
0: Um, <clears throat> well, you know
1: I think the bottom line is if it's good, you want to watch it again, no matter how it impacts you. I mean there's a lot of visceral movies uh that sometimes you don't want to watch them again, like schindler's list that 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 you know there are movies that are hard to watch, and you don't want to watch them again, uh but it's not a question of I don't have to watch them again. you'd always get some sort of benefit from seeing something you know again you know you, can, you always learn something. So I can't, I, I can't think of a movie that I would watch once, or I have watched, and never need to watch
0: again. Okay, that's great. Um, uh, I don't know, uh, so IMDb has it listed in post-production, uh, but I'm very interested. You're credited in a movie called Deep in the Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, go ahead. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that one? Uh, sure. On,
1: on... sure, it was written, and, and in this case, directed by a, a man named Jeremy Lanny. <laughs> who I worked with any number of times doing short movies. He makes a lot of short movies, tries to get them in film festivals, and uh, <clears throat> he's kind of successful. It, some of his movies have won awards. So he wrote this full-length movie about it was kind of political about a group of people. It's in a uh, politically charged country. I mean, not I'm not going to say fascist, but it's of that kind of. Sensibility in the country. Soldiers are strong, so these people who object to that, um, they're happily secreted away in, in a in a cabin, in a mountain cabin, uh, avoiding the soldiers because they're they're looking they're they're, they're peaceful persons. They're you know the Democratic Society Committee. That's what they're that's what they're called. So the movie basically takes place in the mountain cabin, talking about. Um, uh, what we can do, the, the bunch of us, to do to uh, to avoid being captured by uh, by these soldiers. <clears throat> and during the movie, it's kind of not, I mean, you're talking about people get shot, people's arms get broken, uh, the children, you know, almost spill the beans. A little child spills the beans. I play a I play an old uh, Jewish Constitu- a professor, a constitutional uh, expert, constitution expert who um, who. Um, is sick uh, uh, and uh, and has got some physical problems, but he he tries to to be a, a voice of reason, and uh, that's it. I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of silly to talk about a movie without having nobody's seen it. Sure. But that's basically it. It's a kind of political um, adventure um, movie.
0: That's that's awesome. It's it's uh, I you know I, I like to look at the works. And IMDb can, very, can be very interesting because they can list works of movies that uh, aren't necessarily going to be made, uh, which, I always, which I always think is interesting. Um, as we come to an end here, uh, final question. No, Steve, I've got two or three hours left. I, if, if you got the time, we can, we can pull up all this stuff. <laughs> um, uh, movie recommendation, uh, movies that, that you love, that you feel uh, the listener should go check out.
1: Old well, older movies. Well, I, I mentioned a lot of them. Kill a Mockingbird is one of my absolute favorite movies. All the, a lot of the sci-fi stuff. Uh, oh my God! There's, I mean, movies are just flashing through my. Spy came in from the cold. Terrific movie. I mean, there's a lot of older movies. Uh, Charade, Charade. I could watch Charade once a year. That's a terrific movie. Um, there's so many. I mean, I, 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 I uh, in the course of this interview, I've mentioned a lot of them, and all those are. I'll stand behind. They're all terrible. That's crazy. We'll see, no, friendly Traction.
0: People should see that. Strip Tease. Second Sight. The Dirt Bike.
1: <coughs>
0: Anything, just go. And those just, are the ones that you did. It. Go on IMDb. Look up Stuart Pangan, Start at the bottom. Work your way up. <laughs>
1: The bottom. It was before you were born. The bottom.
0: <laughs> you have done you. You did a lot of you were on a lot of TV shows. There were a lot of things that yeah. you were on the Brady Bunch. No. <laughs>
1: well, I was in the Brady Bunch. It was this sort of the sequel. They wanted to make a sequel to the Brady Bunch. Sure. Yeah, I I I did that
0: for Lloyd. There, there's there here really really quick because I, I I got <laughs> it. We're we're right here. This is because I had a buddy. I had a I have a I have a friend that works at at the local. Uh, 7-Eleven, and uh, I mentioned I mentioned I was going to be interviewing you, and the first thing he said is, uh, "Oh, you have to look up uh, what not necessarily the news." Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, you were on that for a bit. Uh, how did how did that all come about for you?
1: Uh, again, Michael Jacobs, the dinosaur producer, uh, worked with a writer named Ron Richards. Who was working on not necessarily the news? I saw him happen chance happenstance at a, at a screening one day. He says, "You want to audition with this cable show?" I said, "What? What's cable?" <laughs> he said, "You know, not necessarily this. What's not necessarily?" Yeah. So uh, I did that. I auditioned with it uh, for it, and I and I got that job. We had a, a fabulous six years. Somebody the other day just had a had a show, a podcast uh, devoted to not necessarily the news. And uh, me and Mitch Lawrence, who I love, and uh, Annie Bloom was in it, uh, was in the show. Uh, the late, great Danny Breen was in it, uh, you know, Lucy Webb. You know, that, that's how I got that, that, that show. I auditioned for it, and it started out to be, you know, our first dressing room was literally in the bathroom of the show station in Silmar, California. And the producers kind of asked us to buy gas from the station so they wouldn't kick us out. But that's <laughs> the way it started really girls were opening their doors and getting changed behind their car doors. Then it got better. Then it got better.
0: Sure. Um, well, I mean, you know, bringing up IMDb, I have to ask about, uh, 1974 free to be you dot, 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 or free to be dot, 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 you, and, you me. and me, where you played the man in the maternity ward. Man in the maternity ward that was, uh, that
1: was kind of Marlo Thomas's, uh, kind of well-known project about, uh, Children of Muppets were in it. Mel Brooks did a voiceover. I, I was in New York. I was a kid. I mean, I just you know, I don't even know how I got that job. It might have been the first time I was in front of a camera, any kind of camera. Uh, and I was the man in the trolley I just had a pair of glasses. I, went, <laughs> I mean, when it, I
0: mean, in reality, he got the job. In now, reality, you yeah, we well, I was gonna say it was getting a little glitchy. Yeah. Okay, we're back. I'm okay now. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. Okay. My life. It's okay. Um, I think I'm gonna take that as a sign from the podcast gods to uh to wrap it up and take it home. I I would really, I mean, I, I could to... really. It's
1: enough. I've...
0: I really, could take, no. I, I really could take another hour just going list by list of, of, of your works and, and listening. Um, I, I think this is great. I've really had a good time. Thank you. Where, uh, where can people find you online? Online? Well, uh,
1: I, I don't have a website or anything like that. If you want to see some of my stuff, go to YouTube uh, and, and, you know, click on Stuart Pangham. and then you'll get a lot of stuff like Not the News has a lot of episodes and other things. Um, Go on IMDb if you want to see, if you want to find out about me. You know, if you want to watch a movie or a TV show, but that's it. YouTube's the best place. I don't have any kind of Instagram presence or Twitter presence or, you know, YouTube. Or you can just write to me, care of. <laughs> well, I told you, I'm in the witness protection program, so, so you can't, can't you can't I get away with that.
0: Address. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, As we wrap up, uh, here at the last podcast you'd want, we try and keep a PMA, a positive mental attitude, which is something I think we definitely need. Uh, Do you have a message of positivity or a personal mantra that you'd like to pass along to the listeners as we finish up?
1: I have a few personal mantras. One is, and it sounds flippant, but it's not. There is always a different and often a better way to do everything. I found that to be really true. And then there's a mantra that that was I, I used to like from Plato. It says, "Everyone you meet is fe- is fighting a fierce battle, so be gentle, be kind." I mean, that's something, you know. I mean, if people sort of, if people were, were following those, uh, what is it? The uh, what's the thing in the Bible that uh, that people are supposed to do to each other? The, the nice thing. The
0: the the commandments.
1: Huh commandments. Yeah. Well the commandments wouldn't be a bad thing to, to follow, but just, you know, be 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 gentle to each other. Treat do unto others as others would do unto you. That would that would be good. And wear a damn mask. That would be really good. Mr. Pankin, thank you so much for
0: coming on the show today. Mr. Steve it was an absolute pleasure. It really was an awful lot of fun. Anytime. And ladies and gentlemen, that has been another episode of the last podcast you'd want. And until next week, tip the veal. Try the staff and I'll see you then. <laughs> ever wonder how your buddy got those exclusive wrestling superstar action figures finn balor or even that rick flair autograph 8x10 photo that you can't find in stores chances are they came from pro wrestling loot professional wrestling's most unique and fan-friendly monthly subscription box pro wrestling loot customizes a five to seven item mystery box for wrestling fans that includes exclusive t-shirts action figures collectibles trading cards, pins, autographs, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Today, for all of our Last Podcast You'd Want listeners, we have a deal for you. Just head over to prowrestlingloot.com and enter the promo code LASTPODCAST to check out to save 20% off your first box with Pro Wrestling Loot. With over 20,000 followers online and presence at some of the biggest conventions in the United States, including WrestleCon and StarCast, Pro Wrestling Loot just isn't a business. With ties to indie, mainstream, lucha libre, American, and European pro wrestling, Pro Wrestling Loot is always sending out the most unique items with you in mind over the last five years. Sign up today at ProWrestlingLoot.com for just $24.99 and start receiving your monthly Pro Wrestling Loot box. Plus, for a limited time, enter code LASTPODCAST and receive 20% off your first box pro-wrestling loot for the fan and all of us. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad you tell you we got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice anything anymore. If you like our show, tell everyone but if you biggest things keep your name It's
1: over!